You're listening to The Preppy Podcast. I'm your host, Patricia May Marish, and I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Friends, I'm so excited for today's interview as it's actually my first one I've gotten to do in person. I got to sit down with Vera Stewart and talk with the author, TV host, and entrepreneur herself. But before we learn all about how she started her business, her many hats that she wears, I have a brief message from today's sponsor, Site Culture. Owning a small business is hard work, and something every entrepreneur I talk with struggles with is their websites. But it doesn't have to be hard building your web presence thanks to Site Culture. Site Culture is here to make things simple with plug-and-play, customizable website templates. No coding or tech skills required. Site Culture makes having a beautifully crafted website attainable and affordable. Their templates are customizable and loaded with premium features like elegant, intuitive design and strategic messaging guidance. You'll receive all of this for about a tenth of the cost of other custom website options. I've worked with Elizabeth and her team at Site Culture for all of my websites, and I'm constantly recommending others to them because I truly believe in their service. They make beautiful, easy-to-use website templates that make your website look amazing. For a limited time, you can get your dream website for just $29 a month. Simply visit siteculture.co, pick your ideal website template, and use the discount code FIRST10 at checkout. Why don't you tell everyone who you are, where you live, and what you do? All right. My name is Vera Stewart. I live in Augusta, Georgia. I wear three hats. I am the um, executive producer and host of The Very Vera Show, which is a syndicated cooking and lifestyle show. I am the founder of The Vera Hospitality brand, which does catering and hospitality during the Masters Golf Tournament that, of course, played here in Augusta. And then I'm the author of The Very Vera Cookbook. Wow, that's a lot of hats. I guess my first question is, have you always been creative and interested in cooking and entertaining? Take us back to the beginning and where this interest came from. You know, I love um, the fact that you've used the word creative right off the bat, um, because I, I feel like now some of what I was doing just to entertain my children when they were young, I didn't realize that I was, you know, planting those seeds of creativity which now in education are such widely known reasons why maybe some children decide to be doctors and, you know, just very expansive careers. But for for me, as the middle of five children and having lost my father when he was 40, so my mother raised five children by herself, I cannot begin to tell you the creativity that was exposed in that house by just us having to figure out what to do with ourselves, you know, just, you know, finding if it was a rainy day, were we going to be sad because we couldn't go outside or were we going to create something in the house and have a plan and a dream? So I think I've always been a dreamer. I think I've always had a creative element, you know, to me, but the whole home, you know, hospitality, um, being a, a hostess and this sort of thing really came from my grandmother and I'm named for her and she was 4'11 and very feisty. Oh. And so I got a little bit of inches on her being 5'2", but 
she um, part of what I think I learned from her was that she was able to give me that kind of attention. You know, my dad was an only child. And so the five of us were her life. And my mother really had her hands full with five children and, and, and then working after my dad passed away. So to get that one on one attention from her, I think made me feel special. And I wanted to do the things that she knew how to do, you know, set the table. She, she made our clothes. You know, she was quite the entertainer in the neighborhood. She would have people over when we came to visit and do the little tea sandwiches and stuff like that. So I loved all of that. But that's probably where the first seed was planted, Mm -hmm. you know, that I was going to enjoy homemaking and, you know, love things that were created, you know, at home, that sort of thing. I love that you're close to your grandmother because that's very similar to me. I grew up down the street from my grandparents and every Saturday, my grandmother and mom and I would go shopping. I'm actually named after her as well. Um, I love that you said that there's a little bit of her in you because I see the same with me and my grandmother. So what did you end up studying in school? Um, and did it have anything to do with what you do today? Oh, absolutely. And and I didn't see that coming either. Um, I graduated from high school in 1971. And even at, at that time, if you were college bound, electives, including home economics, would not have been on the plate of things that you were supposed to take. But my senior year, my homeroom teacher, my homeroom was the home ec department. And so you go into this little area where these little vignettes are with the stove and the refrigerator. And the home ec teacher was adorable. And, you know, I would get there and she would be setting up what was going to happen in her class first period. And I found myself wanting to, you know, get engaged and involved. So I would get to school early, earlier and earlier so I could help her do that. And we just really developed quite a friendship. And she said, you know, Vera, honestly, you really should go to Georgia and major in home economics. And that is exactly what I did. And there was really nothing else that interested me. All I knew was I was going to the University of Georgia and I was going to meet a cute boy. And, you know, like you, you're either a teacher or a nurse or a, you know, flight attendant. Um, and so I was, you know, majored in home economics education and, and taught school. But, you know, she really influenced me. In fact, I wrote about her in the cookbook that, you know, I just happened to be in, in that place at that time. And she affected me. And what I learned later was that she was also a single woman. You know, teachers didn't really give you, they didn't talk about their personal life. And I found out years later that, that she, you know, was divorced and raised her four children by herself and, you know, never indicated anything other than happy, positive, wonderful person. And um, I want you to know she is still, she is still alive and still very much together. She is 100 This summer in July, she was 100 years old. Oh my gosh. So you've kept in touch with her over the years. That's so wonderful. Her children always let me know what's going on. But when the cookbook came out, I I drove to Macon. She lives in an assisted living home. And I presented her with the book and read her, you know, the the part of the book that that I wrote about her. Oh my gosh. You know, it's it's unreal, really. Yeah. She's my hero. (laughs) 
It's so great that you've kept in touch then and let her know that the impact that she's had on your life. So after college, you studied home ec. What did you end up doing? Did you go into teaching next? Yes, I I was um, a home economics teacher. I taught for a year before I married and then taught for three years after that. And then when we were expecting our first child, I decided not to go back to the classroom. And of course, that's a change in lifestyle when you're used to the two incomes. And, um, you know, I, I started thinking of little things that maybe I could do to make some extra money. Um, and people would say, well, I would have a dinner party if I knew how to do it like you. Yeah. And entertaining was easy for me. And I love to set the table and I love to do the flowers and I, you know, love to get everything ready. So that wasn't a, a burden for me. And a lot of times the recipes would be either extremely simple or very inexpensive, but I would come up with a way to serve it that made it look unusual. Okay. And that's kind of what it's kind of like on the show. Now I say, I'm going to take an old recipe out of the recipe box and put a twist on it. it. And so I was doing that before I even knew I was doing that, you know, to, to take the old recipe and put a twist to it to make it something that you could use today. Um, And so that kind of started this little cottage catering business that I would do, you know, just little teas or um, birthday parties, or if you were having a dinner party, you know, I would do all the food and, you know, I would turn in my receipts for the food and then charge a little bit extra to have having done it. Um, But we had, um, I think, moved to Cartersville, Georgia, um, away from Madison, Georgia, where we, we first got started. And I was teaching and when we were in Cartersville when I had my first child. And uh, that year, the governor of Georgia was from Cartersville, Georgia, the governor that was elected, Joe Frank Harris. And I had done catering for them all the time. So when they got ready to plan the inaugural luncheon, they let me be the person that oversaw it and was in charge of it and did everything at the governor's mansion. So it was like, I just, I went from doing dinner for eight to doing, I can't even remember how many people were there. And of course I didn't do all the cooking, but you know, we, I I managed it and planned it. So that was, that kind of put it, put me on the map. That's so exciting. So when you first started your catering business, how did you get the word out? Was it word of mouth, marketing? How did you get your name out there? I'll have to say, you know, I've been interviewed so many times and and I always get excited when somebody comes up with something that I've got a great answer for (laughs) and I've never been asked. But how do you get your name out there? That is such a great question. And for me, I thought the only way for you to really know what I'm doing and how I do it is to taste it. And so how do you go about that? And how can you afford for your business card to be edible? Mm -hmm. And so back in the day, if you went to the grocery store, the fresh mushrooms that were in the produce department were delivered in something that looked kind of like a wooden basket and it had metal handles and it was universal, kind of like the same thing. A straw, strawberries are in the green one that's kind of cardboard. Well, this was what mushrooms came in. And many times they had a lid that slid on and you could pull that off and the mushrooms were inside of it. And I got the produce manager to start saving those for me. 
So every month I spray painted my baskets. And so if it was September, then the theme was apple. Okay. And so I would paint like a little apple on the front, make it look really cute, have a cute little checkered ribbon. And then there would be four or five things in the basket that had to do with the month of September. So it'd be like apple bread or applesauce cookies or oatmeal raisin cookies. And I would just do little bite size, but it was enough that you could, you could taste what I did. And so I was very strategic even then in where are people that are having catered parties, where would they go? So I found the best place where everybody that was anybody got their hair done or got their nails done. And I would leave them there with my, with my little card on there. And then they would take them, they would take them home with, with them. And then that's how I started getting calls to do dinner parties. That's so smart. I send a lot of press kits with my PR business, and it sounds like you were kind of your own little publicist back then. I think that's something that we can all learn from even now, you know, getting creative, thinking outside the box, thinking who your potential customers are and where they live and sort of how to get them a sampling of what you have to offer. Well, and it's just, you know, your presentation gets to be displayed there. Um, you know, how you individually package these things. So your attention to detail, you um, if if my card was on there and they called me, then I, you know, even back then, you know, you could, um, gosh, I don't even think there was an answer machine then. But, you know, I would answer the phone with a cheery voice. I mean, it, it just kind of, you know, I was playing business, even though I really wasn't in business yeah. yet. What was next then business-wise after the catering business? Was it the book, the show, or something else? The next thing, um, the first diversification was mail order. Okay. So the catering business started in 84, and in 93, the summer of 1993, I started experimenting with my grandmother's pound cake recipe and trying to derive other flavors from the original recipe so that I could have maybe five or six different pound cakes that I could ship. And so sorority sisters, family members, business people that I had worked with during the Masters Golf Tournament that were from out of town. That summer, I shipped cakes and just had a little card did it arrive in good condition? Did any of the crumb, you know, did any of the sides fall off? Was the tin damaged? You know, they had all these questions that I needed to answer. And by September, I was ready to call myself a mail order company. And I had five different flavors. And my first catalog was a piece of white paper printed in green ink that folded in thirds okay. and it told what I did and who I was. Okay. And so that launched what I then called Very Vera. And it was named after my grandmother because her nickname was Very Vera. Everything she did was very. Okay. And that's what her friends called her, Very Vera. Oh, you know her. She's just everything she does, Very Vera. You know, it's like that. And so we, we launched the mail order. And so that was the fall of 1993. Okay. And then the the next big thing that happened was November of 95. Somebody at Southern Living Magazine got a cake as a gift, uh-huh. brought it to work, put it in the break room. The next thing you know, I got called and 
you know, back then they said, come to Birmingham and bring your cakes. And they photographed it. It was two thirds of a page that, you know, was basically editorializing our cake business. And in 10 days, we made a sale in every state. And we would take turns answering the phone. That is what happened. I mean, the business just went completely off the chart because of that article. And honestly, people would call years later and say, I'm up in the mountains and I'm reading this magazine that's on the coffee table and I'm reading about your cakes. That's awesome. So how did you transition into handling that sort of volume? That was one of the challenges, knowing when we had to cut it off. Okay. Knowing knowing that I had taken as many orders as we could take mm-hmm. and then recognizing that the more equipment, you know, if I bought a walk-in freezer as opposed to all these chest freezers yeah. sitting around everywhere, how many more cakes could I make and freeze? Okay. And so, you know, developing that probably was the thing that interested me more than anything else. Really? I mean, the chemistry and the strategy and the predictions and the, you know, and, and, and then keeping all of that and knowing that how many more can we do the following year? Uh-huh. You know, if we buy a shrink machine. And, of course, every time you do something like that, you're spending thousands of dollars yeah you know, getting, getting to the next, getting to the next level, Mm -hmm. but it truly. And so the, the pound cake business did really well. So then I thought, well, maybe I could perfect the iced cake, the layer cake. And um, that took a little bit more strategy Mm -hmm. to do that and, and ensure that that would get there. But that's really what, you know, that's when, um, uh, Oprah, you know, and Veranda and Town and Country and, uh, you know, the the notable interior magazines because the people that want my cake are not going to bake it themselves, but they want the best looking cake that they could get. That to looked put like they baked it that looked like they baked it themselves <laughs> that can go on their beautiful gorgeous Simon Pierce you know yeah. um, cake stand and do it so that that really became what we were noted for okay. what was the layer cake um, because it was such a wow factor mm-hmm. and it you know it, most every magazine that ever wrote about us the cake that they photographed was the one that we shipped. So it was a true testament to our, uh, you know, we developed the the packaging and we we came up with the way that it could be done Mm -hmm. and knowing that it would arrive in mint condition. It was hand iced and it was homemade. Was that a lot of trial and error and figuring that out? Oh, yeah. And I mean, down, you know, through the years, there were things like, um, you know, one time we got a, uh, you know, we always used brand names, but then when you get to a certain level, you know, then you're working with, you know, bakery distributors that sell quality, good product. Um, but things like a certain amount of water that might have been in the cream cheese, yeah. where the one that I've been using for years in my own home kitchen I never had that problem. You know, we start seeing little spots of, you know, like almost like little volcanoes on the top 
of the cakes and it was it was water and so you know recognizing what to do when that sort of thing happens and you know managing the integrity of your product um, we had somebody one time the rule at very Vera was if a complaint came in for any reason you hang up the phone and you come straight to my office okay. you come tell me right that minute mm-hmm. And this lady said her cake was too sweet. And I'm like, it's a cake, okay? It's a strawberry cake. Well, we had a rule that we kept one of every, we we had one until every cake in that batch was sold. Okay. So we were making lots of cakes. So it might take 10 days for every cake, strawberry cake in that batch to ship out the door. Okay. Well, there was one cake left, and you thaw it, you slice it, you bring me a piece of it, and I'm going to taste it. Well, it was so sweet, you could not eat it. And so the only thing that we could figure was that it was Mother's Day. Uh That was the number one selling cake. And the, the mixers that we used, you had to scrape all the way down okay. to the bottom of the bowl. The only thing we could figure is that that got mixed up way too fast and everything didn't get mixed together all the way. So because we, we had a sticker for every single cake, uh-huh. then we knew, we knew the 10 people that got that cake. Okay. So we sent them all a letter. We sent them a gift certificate. They could get another cake of their choice. And I mean, our phone was ringing. You have got to be kidding me. That was the best cake I ever put in my mouth. What do you mean there was something wrong with that cake? So then I learned about customer service. Then I learned about you could sell the best cake ever. But if you don't have great customer service, it doesn't matter. matter. And so the the residual effect of us doing the right thing Mm -hmm over something we thought was a problem turned out to be, you know, came back and back and back. So, you know, just the business principles, you know, were extremely interesting to me. You didn't have formal training in business school or anything like that. So where did you learn all of these things from? I was reading books on it. I mean, all of them, Swim with the Sharks, you know, all, all of those books really interested me because you've got to motivate your staff. You've got to grow. You've got to be, you know, a warrior and, and also a mentor and, and do all of these things. But I, I think, I, I think the thing that interested me, um, the most about it was, determining what our policies were and and getting really refined and defined in what our policies were. Even if it meant that I needed to print an education card, the people that would call and say, I got my cake, but it was stale. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, in the end, that's basically impossible. Okay. Okay. But somebody didn't just lay in their bed and think they were going to call our company and tell me that our cake was stale. So what they were doing was they were trying to cut a cake that was still very, very cold or partially frozen. So the, 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 it was crumbling. The cake was crumbling. Okay. So we decided that we needed to educate people on the process, yeah. let it come to room temperature, 
the butter then comes back to velvet. Uh You're going to be able to cut a beautiful slice. You know, if you don't use it all, you can refreeze it, those sorts of things. So, you know, learning, learning how to go about doing that was interesting. But I also had an advisory board. Okay. Um, I, when, when we built the, the big building that, that, you know, we ran all of this in. I had a conference room in there and because, you know, we also catered. So I would have brides that, you know, we needed to consult about the wedding. So it was kind of nice to have a conference room, but I wasn't using it very often and we really needed the extra space. So I thought I've really got to make good use of this room. So I reached out to 10 community leaders that I'd either catered the grand opening of their business or, you know, it was a family that had four daughters and I'd catered all of their weddings and they and asked them to be on my advisory board. So when anything happened that I felt like I needed to ask advice, I had my own built in group that could be somebody that was had absolutely nothing to do with the industry that I was in. But I, I respected them as a business person. I expect, respected them as a customer. Yeah. Um, I knew that they would tell me the truth. And it, it, I've, I've, I've made that suggestion over the years to yeah. many people, even if it's just four people, mm-hmm. you know, call them your advisory, but yes. That's another smart move a lot of people can learn from. So now you have this mail order business. Now, what's the next step? Was it the book? Was it the show? It was the show. So the show happened in 2010 and you get that call because I had done demo tapes before and sent to the Food Network. So you get the call and they say that they're part of the brand new cooking channel, which was getting ready to happen. And there was going to be a show called Top That Cake. Would you consider yourself an expert on carrot cake? Well, I would have said yes to whatever the question was because I figured I'd be an expert by the time they got in touch with me. Yep, say yes and figure it out later. Absolutely. And so um, you get to invite 100 people and everybody signs a confidentiality agreement and you know you're going to be performing in front of an audience. But the show was not Top That Cake and it was not the cooking channel, it was throw down with Bobby Flay and it was the food network. So they completely fool you. You have no, Oh, it's on purpose. You have no idea. And, and you could see him weaving through the crowd. And the minute I made eye contact with him, I knew I was on that show and I knew I was in the mail order business and I wasn't going to have to wait for people to come to my building Uh to get a cake. And oh my gosh, so I won. And um, part of the audience that day was both of the local television stations because it was a, you know, it was a national show. So they were out of courtesy invited to come to the taping. And one of the GMs um, called me the next day and said, we'd really love to meet with you. And said, we're going to give you your own show. And that was nine years ago, and we've now been syndicated for six years. That's impressive. And we're in 30 metropolitan markets. That's really impressive, especially for TV. They must really love you. <laughs> and we love it. It's, yeah. it's, it's really a, it's a, it's a cooking and lifestyle show. So it kind of, um, you know, it, it, it's a, a great combination of little things like little tips that I've given today, business tips, but tips I've get I give for things to do at home, yeah. um, 
how to get how to get a water stain out of your dining room table, you know, things like that. But then how to present a pretty plate or how to present a beautiful buffet. So I love the three really good recipes okay. and then at the end show me how to make it look good okay. is is the basic premise yes. of the of the show and then in in the meantime i wrote i closed my retail business okay. i closed um the mail order business and i closed you know the the shipping and all the other catalogs that we were sold in decided to concentrate just on the show okay. I still do my catering during the Masters Golf Tournament, and I decided to write the book with the recipes for all the products that I sold through my mail order for all those years that I'd never given the recipes out. Even when we were written in a magazine, I wouldn't give out the recipe. So that's what the Very Vera Cookbook is, is the the Oprah Winfrey strawberry layer cake and the Oscar de la Renta, you know, burnt sugar caramel cake, you know, those those cakes. So let's talk about the show real quick. How often do you record? Are you coming up with ideas for each episode? Tell me a little bit about the show. Well, I have a wonderful team of people that I work with and we film, we generally film on Wednesdays and then that show airs two weeks later. And of course we take time off during the holidays. Um, We take time off during the master's golf tournament, Um, but we do 32 shows a season. And um, they range from anything to um, let's get on the grill. So all the guys love that to let's do a sweet 16 party Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to the best pimento cheese you ever had and how to keep your sandwich moist. Um, You know, there's just a lot of. So, uh, you know, one of my one of my favorite ones that we're going to be doing right after the first of the year. My grandmother used to say, well, we're going to have a hen party. That was like a saying, yeah. you no, know, well, we're, we're yeah, going to have yeah. a hen party. And so that meant that she was going to buy, invite the ladies yeah, over. Exactly. And I thought, what a cute little saying. And so if you're having a hen party, you're serving chicken, right? Uh-huh. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to make this a real occasion. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, chicken is the universal dish that I can really not go wrong if I do anything on the show that uses chicken, but I can't wait to do this show. So it sounds like a combination of you coming up with some ideas, your team, and then a little bit of what viewers want too. You know, and we do destinations too, you know, where we'll go to a market that airs the show, um, you know, and maybe do something more culturally effective in in that area, you know, for it. So the show airs from up, state New York all the way, you know, to Texas Mm -hmm. and everything in between. So we've got lots of opportunities to, you know, to go to other areas and do shows. That's awesome. So with the book, when did you come out with the book and what was the process like? How long did it take you to write? Well, and it's one of those things, you know, when I, when I decided to close the business, it was, it was more, you know, as I said, well, we could buy another shrink machine or we could buy another walk. You know, there was no end. You know, it was like the, the, the bigger you get, the, 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 the more you have to do yeah. to, to be able to do what you do. And um, so you start getting asked, well, what is your exit strategy? And certainly for me, I still think I'm in my 20s. So what, what's your exit strategy? I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. 
And I knew I had to come up with what an exit strategy were. And none of my children are taking over, you know, what, what I've done. They've all got wonderful, great careers, wonderful families. And it's just not in the cards that that would go on with the, with a child. And so I thought, you know, what could I, what am I doing that makes sense for me to continue to do? Well, the show makes sense. And it made sense for me to not let go of the recipes because I, tr- I tried that. Okay. I, I talked to a co-packer and, you know, here's a recipe, make it, and let me taste it. And it just wouldn't be my cake. Yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe people would really be interested. All the folks for all those years that bought our products might like to have the recipe. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was the premise behind the book. The book is nothing is in the book except a product that had a price tag that was sold in my company. I mean, we've got lots of recipes that I use in catering, but the only recipes in the book, the cookbook are the ones that had a unit price and were sold through mail order or in our local location. Okay. So um, it's, you know, it's, you get to make and taste what you were used to ordering with us online. Um, but it was a process and I, 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 I loved doing it. Um, it made me go back and, and really get to use a lot of my home economics training to make sure that the, the order of the ingredients was right. The directions were very, very specific. For example, cream the butter and sugar for 20 minutes. Do you know how long that is? That sounds like a long time. That's a long time. And you've probably never read that in a a recipe for a pound cake. And the reason you get a flop or a sad streak or the edges that fall off is because you don't do that. And that's one of those things that if it just says cream the butter and sugar until fluffy, well, when is that? You know, when is fluffy? Especially if someone doesn't cook a lot, they don't know. They don't know. And so there are a lot of those little tidbits in the cookbook, whether it's for a cake or whether it's for a casserole that I'm going to get very specific about a brand Mm -hmm. that is not going to work right if you don't use that because you're baking it or it's going to be too greasy. You know, we just, we really went to great measure to have successful recipes. So how long did it take you since you already had the recipes then? It took a couple of years. I mean, from, from the beginning to, till, till it was out in print and we're in our third print and the book came out in April of 2018. That's awesome. So for people listening, where can they buy your book? You can buy it on verivera.com. You can buy it on Amazon. A lot of local stores and a lot of the cities where our show air sells the book. Okay. Um, but it is it has everything from soup, the best homemade soups oh. ever. We were noted for our soups. Um, salads, casseroles, cakes, desserts, breads. Okay. I probably should have asked this earlier, but where did you get the recipes for your book? I guess a lot of it's from your grandmother, but was some just tinkering around in the kitchen? And it was tinkering around okay. in the kitchen. And again, we were a mail order company okay. that had a line of Southern soulful foods. Mm-hmm. And we were in, engaged the entire kitchen in okay. the process. 
um, you know, like the, one of the soups, the seafood bisque, a, a young man that transferred off of two buses in Augusta, Georgia, that didn't have a high school education that worked for me in my cafe, developed that recipe for that seafood bisque. And it is delicious and I can't make it without thinking about him you know and and so there there's a lot of family in terms of our very Vera family through the years that have contributed you know so much Mm -hmm. to whether it was helping get the cakes packaged to go out in the mail and making sure that it was done correctly to, you know, serving the food that that you could actually come into our building and eat. Because we had a little 50s diner cafe in there. So you could eat lunch with us every day. So So that was fun. And I waited tables. I loved it. (laughs) What do you love most about what you do? What really excites you and gets you excited to get out of bed in the morning and do it all over again? Well, and, and thank goodness I do. I do still love it. I think the show has allowed me a creative niche mm-hmm. that gives me a lot of pleasure um, to do that. I, I still love interacting with the folks that I work with um, during the Masters Golf Tournament, you know, here in Augusta. But I, when you say what makes you excited to get out of bed and do it all over again, I love the creativity. Okay. Um, you know, if I was ever in a bad mood growing up, I would rearrange my room. You know, I would put the bed on another wall and, you know, maybe do things differently. And and, and I'm very notable to do that at my own house. <laughs> you know, let's just change a few things around and make it look better. I feel like I can always move things around. Yeah. You know, there there's no there's no limit to what we could potentially do. Yeah. There nobody's telling me that I can't do a show on that subject. You know, nobody is saying that it it doesn't make sense that you're putting a cast iron skillet in the middle of your dining room table and using it for a serving vessel. Uh You know, I can do that if I want to. And, And so I love, I love that part of it. And, you know, I think my children are proud of me. I think my grandchildren are proud of me. Um, I, the young people that have worked for me all these years expect that if they come home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, that they can go by and see me because I'm going to be at work. Yeah, And I'm sure your grandmother would be proud of you. I, I would hope so. Yeah. I would hope so. What's a tip or piece of advice that someone who's getting into their home ec degree or wants to do something similar to you that you have to give them? I think I think I, I feel like I'm engaged and, and hopefully your audience has had fun today, you know, listening to my story. But I think there is there is definitely a serious edge to me. Um, you know, when I started this business 36 years ago, there weren't that many women starting their own business. Oh, yeah. And what was going to make people take me seriously? And so I had to present that image always. Mm-hmm. I presented it in the grocery store. I presented it if I was putting gas in my car, you know, I, I had that business minded person with me at all times and I still have it. And I I think if you, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to have that, that edge. And, you know, it's like a diet. Don't tell people you're on it. Make sure that you're committed personally Uh and then just go about your business. Just just don't eat the bread, but yeah. don't make a big 
announcement yeah. that you're not going to eat the bread. Yeah. So if you're going to decide to go into a cottage business, get your feet wet, start your business in your house, just just do it. Yeah. Don't necessarily go talk about the ups and downs and ins and outs. Uh-huh. Just get started. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're going to get you're going to get some traction. Mm-hmm. And people are going to start wanting to do it. And, you know, for anybody out there that's listening and, you know, I, I give my email address out. It's Vera at com. I feel like I owe it back yeah. to answer questions. And if when I think about the people that have advised me and helped me and pushed me forward and made me see a different side to the coin, yeah. I owe it back to answer those questions for people that think that they might be able to do something. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to answer questions. That's wonderful. I think that's one of the pieces of advice that I always give people is just do it. You can think about it for so long and I think you need to just go for it. You can always get so lost in your thoughts. So you just need to get out there and follow through. So this is part of my Holidays at Home series, as you know. Since everyone's at home right now, I'm going to ask you a few questions relating to the holidays. My first question is, what do you love most about the holidays? Um, I love the smells and the, you know, the the colors. And, um, you know, I, I now that I have grandchildren, you know, I, I just, I love all the different ages. I mean, they're, they're college age all the way down to brand new. Yeah. Um, so there, there's always a, a different phase um, going on. But I, I just, I've always loved to decorate for the holidays baking is still my favorite thing. I mean, it, it gives me so much pleasure to get in the kitchen and, and bake something yeah. um, that, that I, I just, I love that too. Speaking of baking and cooking, what's one recipe from your book that everyone who even might not be good at cooking, but wants to try can make something special? Oh, I've got the perfect answer. Okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay. The bourbon pecan bread pudding that's in the book. Okay. Doesn't that just sound like the holidays? It does. And you don't have to put the bourbon in it if okay. you don't want to. Okay. It, it, you know, it's going to be delicious no matter what. But it is such a simple recipe. It uses croissants, and it, you know, it's milk and eggs. But it is just a delicious dessert. It's sm- the whole house will smell good when you're making it. And if you want to take something to somebody, it, it makes such a, a lovely gift. And, and it can be eaten out of the refrigerator for several days. Oh, I love so that. the bourbon pecan bread pudding is, and actually that recipe of mine was one of my products that was sold by Costco. Oh. So that was, I had three products that were sold by Costco and that was one of them. What's one tip you have for staying stress-free during the holidays? I know you do a lot of entertaining and have catered large parties. So what's one tip that keeps you stress-free? Um, I'm, I'm very much of an organizer. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to have my planner. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, if you, if you kind of get yourself organized, mm-hmm. even if you only do it for the holidays, <laughs> I, I, can, I can assure you that that's going to, that's going to eliminate some of the stress. Mm-hmm. And, and I say you, you, you maybe pay a little bit more attention to your exercise this month. So you can, eat a little bit more than normal because that'll, that'll stress you out if things start getting kind of out of whack. Yeah. But if you develop some sort of very simple routine every day, 
whether it's five minutes every morning, whether it's just jog in place or jumping jacks or something, but do something every day for the entire month of December. I, I think it you might see that it might be something you want to start the new year off with. That's great advice. Sort of jump a jump start of your resolution. So if you're planning a dinner party, then what are some staples and how do you plan the dinner party? Um, you know, there's certain things that if you if you generally have on hand, um, there's nothing like a pork tenderloin. I mean, and they're on sale all the time at the grocery store. And there's so many different things that you can do to a pork tenderloin. So my recommendation would be in the month of December to always have something like that in the freezer because it, it thaws out very quickly. I mean, you can smother it with apricot preserves. Um, I mean, you can do it very, very savory, but it's, it's a, just a really nice entree dish do some wild rice and green beans to go with it, you know, and it, it looks a lot fancier than it is. Yeah. So I always recommend a pork tenderloin always as a staple in your freezer. And and then for, you know, just something quick and easy, I, I think salads have really kind of come back in vogue, um, you know, through this whole experience we've had this year with people maybe gaining a few extra pounds and, you know, something more like a Christmassy sort of salad where you're introducing the cranberries and some of the mandarin oranges and the crumbled blue cheese and the roasted pecans. You know, you might be surprised at your family members that might really appreciate seeing something like that on the table that might choose to go heavier on that as opposed to all the other things, Um, you know, just really do something beautiful with, with a fresh salad. And it's a healthier option too. So what's something in your kitchen that you think everyone should have? Is there a tool that you're always going towards um, a utensil that you recommend? Well, I am my favorite utensil in the kitchen is the OXO spatula. Okay, I mean, it used to be a wooden spoon. And the very idea that somebody has made me cheat on my wooden spoon is crazy town. Because there was something about holding a wooden spoon that was comforting to me that, you know, it just made the perfect sound when you stirred this OXO spatula. You can cook with it. You can put it in your hot pan and stir. You can do your cake batter with it. It is the perfect thing to get every morsel out of a bowl. And the way that it grips your hand is like it was custom made for your hand. I I cannot say enough. I must have, I mean, they're everywhere. They're at my television station. They're in my office kitchen. They're in my home kitchen. Uh, You know, I've made sure that all of my children have one in their drawer. I love an OXO spatula. And it's just a universal piece of equipment. That sounds like the perfect stocking stuffer for Will. He's the cook in our house, so he might be getting one of this this year. So what's next for you? Is there a sneak peek you can tell us about? Anything you're working on? Okay, now you've been with me for a few minutes, so don't you know I have an answer? Of course I do. Um, I'm already in the the second book. So we started October 1, and this book will be all of the occasions of my career. Oh. So this will be any imaginable occasion. Okay. And the menu 
that would work well for it and the recipes for it, the ideas to decorate, you know, some ideas for the invitation, different things that you can do. So we're already um, into into the the recipe aspect. I'm almost completely finished with the recipe aspect of it because so much of that, you know, is out of my catering. Yeah. Um, career. Okay. So that's new. And then in terms of the show, um, I'm a goal setter. So our goal is to be in 50, we're in 30 markets. Okay. So our goal is to be in 50 markets for season 10, wow. which if we get to the middle of season 10, uh-huh. we will be the longest running cooking and lifestyle show in the entire um, you know, locally syndicated show. Okay. My final question is where can people find you? Okay. Veryvera.com is our website. Um, at Very Vera Stewart is our social media. So Facebook and Instagram. And then the hospitality side of my business is at Vera Hospitality. So if anything uh, regarding the, um, the Masters Golf Tournament, in April, any coming to Augusta, needing anything that has to do with that, that's where you'll find us there. And um, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank uh, you so well, much. Good. Well, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast. And follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 